0: Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's a real conundrum as we take a look at how you successfully plan a migration to the public cloud. So, settle back and enjoy the show. <music> Hi, and welcome to Tech Interviews. This week's show is a first in a three-part series where we look at one of our hottest topics, the world of public cloud. In these shows, I'm going to speak with a range of cloud architects and migration experts on how to design and build the right cloud platform and how, in this first show, to develop a methodology, an appropriate plan to successfully transition key on-prem platforms to the public cloud. So to help me look at our topic in this first show, I'm joined by Eric Krajeski. Hi, Eric. How are you?
1: Hi, Paul. Hi. Thanks for inviting me to your show.
0: No, you no, no, more than welcome. And uh, yeah, thank, thanks for taking some time to to join us this week to talk about this kind of, um, I think, a major issue that, that many of the businesses that we talk to on a, a regular basis and the people who listen to this show, um, you, know, you know, a problem I think that they're wrestling with all of the time. Um, but before we get into the detail of that, Eric, why don't you uh, introduce yourself, tell, uh, tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what it is you do?
1: Sure. So I run the software business uh, for Transitional Data Services and uh, more about them than me, uh, TDS was established in early 2000s, originally as an IT consulting company. I've been with them for about 10 years. Um, we evolved from being a consulting company to really focus on complex hybrid IT migrations, um, application resiliency, and DR. And uh, we offer a SaaS-based software platform called Transition Manager, which allows for the full modeling of all your full environment and really manage and orchestrate the change from your current state to your future state.
0: Yeah, we, I mean, we spoke before we started recording, actually, that um, I, in my day job, had had, um, had some experience working with some of your services previously in a, in a slightly different way, but actually that idea of, and, and lots of the things that I'd, I'd, I'd like to kind of pick through with you today, um, w- 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 lots of interesting things I think you guys kind of pick up that are really good and helpful uh, helpful models for people to use as they, as they look to do any kind of transition projects. I know we're, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of transition to, to cloud and public cloud today, but... Actually i think they're they're really good cornerstones good good you know, good standard things for people to think about, whatever kind of project they they uh, they're looking to transition, whatever kind of services and things they're looking to transition to. And so, so maybe that's a good place for us to start in in terms of when we talk about transition. Um, I mean, i mean, do you guys have a um, a definition of what we mean by transition, and when we talk about cloud transition, cloud migrations, you guys have a definition of what that is, and and what some of the problems are that you see companies come across when they're when they're trying to make what are potentially quite complex moves.
1: Sure, and uh, I was wondering if it would be if it would be appropriate if I just gave you two short stories or customer case studies that might illustrate some of the challenge
0: yeah, I think great. I think that they always work well, yeah, go for that
1: okay, so in 2015 we completed a data center consolidation project for a large regional hospital um, that's based on the east coast and um, it's a hospital network um, seven different facilities uh, um, full service of, of Um, hospital. And this was a relocation project that included um, thousands of servers, thousands of hospital applications and software systems. And once we completed the project, um, we published a case study with them. And in in prep for the case study, we interviewed the migration project lead, the CTO, and the CIO. And the difference of their perspective was kind of uh, fascinating. So, one question that we asked each of them was how they saw the role of cloud in their organization's future. And so the migration lead went, you know, these were separate interviews. They didn't hear each other. So the migration lead went first and he said, what? Cloud? We're a hospital. You know, we deal with personal data and we're governed by HIPAA. We would never use cloud. It's way too risky. So there's the operational perspective. And then the CTO, we interviewed the CTO next. And he said, oh, good question. You know, we use the right tool for the right um, task at hand. And so we do use SaaS-based software to manage our elderly care facilities. So so there's an example of how we're using cloud today. It was SaaS. So then we talked to the CIO. And the CIO said, uh, let me tell you my vision. And and first, I'll tell you what we do today. Today, we get a call that there is an emergency. We dispatch an ambulance. The paramedics get to their destination. They take vital signs and relay to emergency room. And then we know at the emergency room, we have a 50-year-old male on his way in. He's having a heart attack. It's a second heart attack. And that way, the ER team is prepared and ready to go. And he said, that's what we do today. What I want to do, my vision goes way much further. I believe the ambulance team should be able to, uh, should have all the information on the way to see the patient. They know they're going to see a 50-year-old male. He's having a second heart attack. The paramedics should be able to see his known allergies and medical file and using things like 4G, maybe they can stream information back to the hospital. And um, so he had this vision of digital business transformation for ambulance care. And and his biggest concern was really, how am I going to get the CTO to approve this from a security and compliance perspective? So those are so, so that's an example where we asked the same question to three different levels of the organization and got completely different responses. And it was dependent on their Um, level role and concerns. Um, So, and I have another example. Would you like to hear that one?
0: Yeah, yeah, because well, actually, just before we before you do, I, I think I raised some really interesting points, and it's a, it's a conversation that I'm seeing increasingly, and something that we've seen already throughout, uh, kind of towards the end of twenty eighteen, but the, the uh, certainly in some of the conversations we have had in twenty nineteen, um, and and I did a, a show at the start of the year, looking kind of looking forward to twenty nineteen, and one of the things that came out of that was. This this real requirement for people within technology to focus on business outcomes um, as opposed to focusing on technology in itself, you know, and even as a technologist inside an organization to become much more aware of business outcomes. And I think that that highlights that that story actually highlights that beautifully in the, the different focus of the different people you were talking to and actually. The, the, the last conversation you was, you was describing there about actually to focus on an outcome, not a business outcome in this case, but certainly a focus on an, an outcome and how technology can, can provide that. And I mean, is that something that you are seeing in general, you know, that you're seeing this this real shift in focus on business outcomes as opposed to focusing on technology in itself?
1: Sure, Paul, that's a that's exactly the point. Um, we see a, a much greater focus on uh, the business requirements, because if you think about it, IT is not sitting there waiting to just change, let's adopt cloud, let's move to this technology, let's do hyper Unless it's being driven by a top-level business need, which could be to improve profitability through reduction of um, expenses or increased market opportunity through digital business transformation. It could be um, reduce risk to create higher availability systems. And sometimes cloud. that's a, sometimes that's a reason to go to cloud, and sometimes that's the reason not to go to cloud. And then the third area would be to achieve business agility because what, I, what IT knows is that whatever the business is asking for today, they're gonna to be asking for something different tomorrow. And they'd rather prepare a platform that can adapt to these evolving business needs.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know they are hugely valuable points, that, you know, and, and definitely play into the, the conversations that I, I've been hearing over this year already. That you know this idea that actually we need to focus much more around outcomes. It cannot be the department that is is resistant to change, resistance to transition. So, we were talking before as well that you had another uh, really another good example of this? So, I, I mean, do you want to share that as well?
1: Yeah, and actually, this is an example of uh, if you don't plan things out fully in advance and you think that it's superficial if you think migrating cloud is pretty easy you just move virtual images from point A to point B and then your new environment um, that's not really the case. So in this second example, uh, there was a fortune 50 company that was negotiating a multi year volume agreement to host thousands of servers in the cloud. And as they were primarily a Microsoft shop, it seemed like a logical choice. So they signed the deal with Microsoft Azure. So now the surprise here is that it's gonna take them more time and more manpower to move to Azure than if they went to AWS or IBM Cloud. And the reason is that most of their servers were already running on a VMware virtualized environment. So it would have been much quicker to simply migrate the easy uh, those easy to move workloads to AWS or IBM using uh, technology like VMC or HCX from VMware. So at the time the decision was made, VMware and Azure was not even an option, and I'm not sure it is now. So they began the process of moving to Azure, reinstalling one app at a time, and moving the data for each. This was so much slower and costly, more costly than if they would have just used the migration tools from AWS or IBM Cloud. So that's another example. If you don't plan things out, you may make some catastrophic mistakes being in a four-year agreement for something that is the harder path. Um, which seemed like a good decision at the Uh, time. What
0: I really like about the example, and I think it's a fantastic highlight, and one of the questions I had in my my head is that as as we look at this kind of idea of cloud transition, you know, to maybe for for the listeners to try and um, put some perspective around it, what are some of the problems that you see as as organizations take on some of these kind of transition and migration projects? And I think actually that that example is probably, certainly my experience, is, is a great example of the number one thing that I think people come across is that one, it's kind of almost falls into two parts. And one that they think cloud migration is really straightforward because then I just click a few buttons and it magically all appears. And two is sometimes it's either not fully understanding where they're heading or not fully understanding where they're starting and and the amount of projects. And and I started the the, kind of the intro to this episode talking about that. I think a lot of the things that you guys do uh, and things that I've had previous experience of you, of you doing are a valuable, kind of valuable stages and valuable strategies for people to do in any kind of project and and I think that idea of actually knowing where you're heading fully understanding where you're heading and fully understanding where you're starting are a real good you know a, a really crucial element of, of any good successful project I mean but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jumping in saying is that one of the things that you see as a as a key issue when people are going through transition and migration projects so maybe I should actually ask you is that a key thing that you uh, that you see as people go through those projects
1: they need to line around the business goals, that's for sure. And then they and they need to really take a step back and not rush. Um, too, we see too much like ready, fire, aim. So they may do some research. They find a tool. This tool can move a VM image from point A to point B. They go and they do a test run, um, and they don't want to make the test too difficult. So they pick their easiest to move workloads. It's, it's a self-contained application on a single server. Um, there are no, um, dependencies to external applications. Um, the storage is local and they, and they say, okay, let's see how long it takes for us to move five of these things. And they move five of them and they say, wow, okay, that, that was pretty quick. And it was easy. We did a prototype. Um, let's buy this tool, um, this trans transfer tool and, and we'll move on. And, uh, and w- the reality is that if you focus on the easy things first, you're going to fail, um, because, uh success requires you to move up the stack and take an application view of things, and if you don't take an application view you're you're just going for a crash landing on the migration. It probably won't work so um, so we try to get people th- to think more strategically and take a little bit more time on the front end. so we tell them to move up the stack and take this application approach. Another thing is that they have to they have these disparate tools in the enterprise that are required to make decisions and execute. They may have different um, ITSM systems like ServiceNow that has some information about their environment. They may have some uh, auto discovery tools that they use to learn more and to help make decisions. Um, None of these systems, by the way, auto discover any kind of uh, business requirements. So if you have uptime requirements or contractual issues or data security requirements, they don't even address that. And so you may get very far along a project and um, have to start over or cancel a lot of your migrations because of the risk and compliance and security issues. So you really have to look at all of them, the profitability impact, the risk impact, In the agility impact, you have to evaluate on on all three accesses to be successful.
0: And and is that um, and and is it? Maybe try and put it in a nutshell. So, is actually one of the biggest things that you see because you know, I mean, probably as a technologist, and and maybe as most people listening to the show probably are technologists, IT pros, or IT decision makers it is one of the biggest risks that actually they look at the technology and, and I really like that idea of don't pick the simple things first because actually that doesn't really give you a, a great example of the complexity of the, the problem coming. But but actually the, the major issue they come across is they don't look broadly enough. They're not talking to the business you, you talked before about aligning your migration and transitions to business goals you know is, is it probably if there was one thing that people could take from the the biggest mistake people make is it that that they don't really look broad enough they don't engage enough of their organization to to kind of fully understand the impact of what they're doing
1: uh yes they don't look broad enough and also they're very siloed and i mean within it they're very siloed so so if i need to move an application and that application has external storage, and then maybe it's an e-commerce application, so it has to also talk to my um, warehouse system to check on availability of product. It may have to talk to my ERP system. It may have to talk to my uh, payment processor system. So, so in this case, an application connects to a lot of different things, and there are many different stakeholders. And so, this idea that you just move a virtual image, as opposed to that you actually look at your full end-to-end application, um, you. you it really requires you to move up like that to be able to factor out the risk, um, make sense?
0: Yeah, it does, and and it's interesting. It just got me thinking about something we talked about before we started recording, um, and that I made uh, probably you know we we went to a little bit of a kind of a rough outline agenda. You know, for people listening, we don't script all of this stuff. You know, we but we we do have kind of an idea of some of the areas that that, that we want to touch on. And I'd said about the idea of companies migrating data, and and as you you pointed out, and as I think as you've you've brilliantly described there, that this goes way beyond. We're not just talking about moving some data from a on-prem data center into a public cloud. You know, this goes well beyond that it's looking at an application stack it's looking at the impact of that application on other applications and and again maybe that, that's a question. Did, is, is that a common mistake as well that people just focus on the data element and don't really think about all the other all the other aspects of, of what sits in front of that data
1: yeah but i think it's just not knowing how to get what we see is a common so if you look at all these different kinds of it projects whether it's a data center migration a resiliency or a dr whether it's a migration to cloud every one of these should have a fairly similar uh, roadmap and that's, you should first identify your objectives. Uh, What are you trying to achieve? Is it that you're trying to achieve no unplanned downtime? Well, that's a lot different than cost reduction. Um, is your, then you look at your goals. How are you going to achieve the objective? What are you doing? What initiatives you need to do in order to achieve those goals? Then you have assumptions. What is your current environment? Then you need to validate, um, your environment because you can't plan and execute unless you really validated what do you really have. After validation, you get into planning, then preparation. Um, And then you have your go live, whether it's a failover point for the DR or whether it's moved to the cloud. Um, And then you have post processing, maybe that you have to decommission something or if it was a failover, you may have to fail back. So what we've tried to do is programize these steps so that you don't things out of sequence what happens is people jump right to execution and they haven't taken the time to figure out what they're what's the best optimum path of what where they're going if they use the tool that's focused on just vm migrations then maybe that's aligned with a business objective of lower hosting costs reduce hosting costs but it's not doing anything to improve resiliency because the application would have to be refactored so so by looking at the application level maybe this is the the key takeaway, by looking at the application level, you're forced to work with the business, you're forced to talk about what the business impact is by things not working. When we move a data center, um, we don't have the luxury of saying, we moved everything except your mainframes, we moved everything except for your virtualized environment, we have to move everything. And that includes the legacy stuff, the old stuff. And, um, and this is what companies have to face. So they tend to look at the project when, when it goes off the rails, it's usually because they're looking at it at too low level, too early, and not looking
0: at their top level problems and plans. So, uh, so, I mean, before we get into kind of specifically what, you're about, um, obviously, you know, you, you've you've spoken a lot there about some of your experiences and some of the challenges that you see. Um, so, I mean, you know, and you, you've been you're saying you've been with TDS kind of for 10 years and, you know, so you've also got lots of experience in this place. So so if I'm listening to this and I've got a migration project that I'm planning or I'm looking at some kind of, uh, uh, of service transition, I, I mean, is there some, you know, three or four kind of top things that, that you would suggest that somebody consider? something they think about in that plan you know how they how they overcome some of the challenges that that we've spoken about and, and uh, you, you've kind of hinted at a few of those already with you know planning and, and looking more broadly and understanding kind of business objectives not just technical objectives but but it's a it's a kind of a, a set of rules that you you might say to somebody that these are definitely that you know these are the things that you will need to overcome these are the things that you need to think about before you start any kind of transition and migration
1: sure and uh and, and by the way, I mentioned one of the problems was they don't take the application view. And I'll give you our advice, uh, but, but I just want to give you a couple of other challenges. Another one is they don't know where to start. So they start at the wrong place. They don't have a consolidated, actionable view of their environment. Um, they have lots of blind spots caused by oversimplification. And, and there's too much reliance on silo approaches and silo tools, which are not oriented towards people working together. So what we recommend is that you have to move up the stack to the application layer, and you have to establish visibility across all silos and users and tools. You have to integrate your existing environment. There are hundreds of tools available for uh, analyzing and moving workloads. They're not the same products. Some people think they are, but they all have a different purpose. And the question is, how do you get these different systems working together as a full system? So um, so you have to establish visibility across all silos and users. You, we recommend you don't boil the ocean. You break things into manageable chunks. Um, you leverage those existing information and tools wherever it's available. Um, you focus on your overall end-to-end orchestration. Everyone who has to be involved with the migration process. And you have to create and use repeatable workflows. If, if you have different people in your staff taking different approaches to the migration, you're going to get inconsistent results. So you really need to drive standardization.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that last point is a, a fantastic one. I think we've probably all been part of projects where uh, certain people are delivering their version of the project that you're trying to deliver. Um, so yeah, I think, I think standardization and, you know, and kind of everybody being aware of their role is, uh, is hugely important. Um, so I, I said, I, I was interested in kind of some of those, those, standard more generic tips but obviously you know I, I said in the introduction I, I'd come across transitional data services a, a while back in kind of some some different roles some different types of projects to the one we're talking about here. Um, I was really impressed at the time with the kind of approach that you guys took so but I'm sure not everybody listening to the show is kind of familiar with you guys and, and what it is you do so, so do you want to give us a little bit of an introduction uh, to, to what TDS do and, and kind of how they help to how they help businesses to achieve some of the things that we've talked about so far and overcome some of the some of the challenges we've discussed.
1: Sure, so, so we're, as I mentioned, we started out as a consulting company for complex migrations. Um, in order for us to be able to compete with the big guys, we had to take a different approach. And so we developed a software tool called Transition Manager that really allows us to do the things that I've been saying. It allows us to um, aggregate these various systems, They have different ways of storing information. We have ways of importing, aggregating, and normalizing the data so that it's actionable in Transition Manager. So you're no longer working with the various uh, source systems for information. Now you're working within a single environment in Transition Manager. And then we connect to the downstream tools like um, VMware and Zerto and um, others that are doing uh, Veeam and others that are doing the actual transport layer. And we can actually use our transition manager system to really provide the guardrails for customers to drive them along this process that, along the lines that we were saying of moving up the stack and integrating the silos and taking a, a a manageable chunk approach and et cetera. So we developed this tool so that we could compete against the big guys. We now offer that to customers that they can uh, install our software or they can use it as SaaS and they can manage their own migrations um, or they can use our team to help assist them with those migrations. And um, the proof of that, I think we got it right, is that now VMware and IBM um, have standardized on our tool and our approach for their complex for delivering their complex migration.
0: Yeah and I th- you know I, th- I suppose as uh, as validation for kind of what you guys do you know you, you don't you don't get much better than very big uh, you know tech giants deciding that actually your approach and, and your methodology is is uh, is the right way to go for them as well. And I mean just pick up on a couple of things you were saying there though. so a couple of questions I guess for me. So so transition manager is that uh, is that kind of an orchestration tool so it will you, you know you talked about things like Veeam etc th- and Zerto and and tools that you can integrate with. Do you then kind of take advantage of their capabilities and and orchestrate them as part of a transition project or or, or is it just more about understanding the part they play and and kind of building a plan then to to do the transition that either includes them or or maybe utilizes their capabilities in somehow?
1: Yeah so we are an orchestration system and one of the unique that integrates with all the environments and one of the unique capabilities that we have is that we abstract the ability to create runbooks. So the runbooks are your step-by-step sequence of what everyone has to do in the proper sequence to achieve your mission. And what we've done is we created a abstraction layer where we can create these um, templates of, for this type of uh, asset, for this type of migration, uh, we basically build the full plan and assign it to the individuals when it's time to execute that step so that you do everything in the proper sequence. So... um, so that's how we uh, really drive, you know, to pull things together for the client.
0: Yes, yeah, so so a big part of that, and um, and I think one of the challenges that, that we see whenever we do kind of these the, a migration project like this is, is kind of, is it, almost a documentation and and, and Rumble, as you've said there. But and so so did, did you can, can can you give people the capability to you know, kind of build a documented understanding of existing systems. Uh, and I don't know whether you can maybe do some things around um, uh, uh, documenting and understanding what the uh, target system looks like as well. I, I mean, is that is that the kind of thing that you also can do, uh, you know, as, maybe as part of a runbook or as kind of a separate document stack as well of, of things that people can, and things that people can use long-term as well. So, you know, once, once they've used kind of transition manager, they can kind of reference back to these documentations and runbook to help them plan, services in the future, that kind of thing?
1: Uh, right. So you need to have a constant view of your environment. And the, so so the, run, the runbook execution with the, the ability to create these runbooks at the click of a button. So let's say your environment changed. Now, does your runbook completely change? Well, actually, you just click a button and regenerate your runbook. So that's the unique capability. Yeah. But what I said was if your environment changed. So really, the first step is to make sure you have this consolidated full view of your full environment. Um, And Transition Manager allows that as well. So we we can import from your ITSM systems and from your auto discovery systems and from RV tools and things like that. We have um, importers that can take the raw output from those systems. And after doing quick uh, importing of those things, then you have a full view of your environment that shows what applications require, what infrastructure Um, and and the inverse, what infrastructure is supporting what applications. So this gives you this kind of 360 view of everything, which I know is kind of a a common phrase that people use, the 360 view or single pane of glass, but the reality is the other people aren't really offering that because you have to normalize the data. And you may have um, a single pane of glass for everything storage, you may have a single pane of glass for everything VMware, but you don't have this aggregate view. So that's very important to what we do is we take these uh, sources from these valuable but disparate systems, and we aggregate into a common uh, view. Uh, you know, one may store, one may identify an asset by a name, another one may identify it by IP address, another one may identify it by MAC address, and it's all the same asset. So we have to combine that information so that um, the human beings involved aren't spending a lot of time sifting through data. I'll give you an example of that. Um, a lot of times so so uh, there's a dis- auto discovery tool called cloudscape and um one of our clients used that tool to figure out what's involved with one of their applications how many dependencies does it have when they ran cloudscape it found 4200 dependencies for a single application now if you're a human being which you are you would look at 4200 dependencies and say i can't this is this is not actionable i can't do anything with that but if you think about it, the the user got exactly what he wanted. He said, I'm moving this application. I need to know everything that might have an impact. And uh, when we actually loaded the information into Transition Manager and we saw which were really first-level dependencies, which is really the important piece, um, we found that it had two dependencies. So so 4,200 minus two was noise. And so that's that's the problem that people face. It's just very... Uh, too much information. And they don't know how to sift and digest that information. We make that for them.
0: And I think that you know, if, if I, you know, I mean, you talked before about you kind of your transition manager provides an orchestration element to to doing this, and, and can kind of help to drive those practically drive the migrations of services and data and applications, and you know. But if even if it didn't do that, the thing that you've talked about there, from, from my experience with working on on kind of transition migration projects with a with a whole range of, of businesses over my my twenty or so years doing this kind of role. the 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 thing you've just talked about there is a thing that so often kind of grinds these projects to a halt or stops these projects being a success it's fully understanding where the starting point is fully understanding the impact of what they're about to do and kind of dependencies as you've touched on you know who who who's dependent on this application what other applications what other services are dependent on it and then something you touched on before as well about how you maintain that kind of documentation and maintain things like those run books long term um you know e- even if transition manager only did that it would be a, a hugely valuable tool um well look as, as we kind of come to the, the end of our time here and you know and i think it's been fascinating some of the things you talked about i've learned an awful lot kind of you know some of the areas where people can trip over doing this and some of the good practices that you you should be using and, and obviously in transition manager you've got a, a really smart tool that, that people might be able to use if, if somebody's listening to this and perhaps nodding along with me thinking actually yeah that transition manager stuff sounds really really useful is there a way that people can find out a little bit more about it I, I don't know have a look at kind of how it operates try it out anything like that is did you guys offer uh, th- that kind of capability
1: um sure i would suggest that they go to our website tdsi.com and they should be able to find whatever information um to get started and to understand what it does where it fits and then we have um ability there for them to request contact with um a specialist that can help them guide them through the through understanding their requirements.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, mentioned a couple of times as well that this is available as a as a software as a service platform as well. So I assume if somebody just has a single project where they're looking for a little bit of help or some some useful tools, then that the kind of SaaS platform's perfect for that.
1: Yeah, we've kind of evolved to that. Our, our legacy is these large complex migrations, um, but where we're Going is um, you know if you th- so another example would be a a much simpler migration would be an Office 365 migration. Okay, we currently run our Office 365 in house. We want to move to the cloud. Um, you move to uh, I, uh, Microsoft SaaS service for that. Um, we've you may need to move thousands of users over, multiple thousands of users, tens of thousands of users. And you need to make sure they have all their emails and data and files and all that. So we've developed, uh, so we started to develop these micro use cases like that, where it's very specific, it's narrow. Um, So um, that's one example, but there are other ones like that, that we're rolling
0: out. Well, well, I uh, I well, uh, mean, genuinely, I think it's, it's it's been a real fascinating discussion for me this because I think it's it, it talks about some a lot of the problems that I see on a day to day basis in in kind of my in my real day to day job, you know. Because to, to much to everybody's surprise, I'm not a full time podcast host, um, and probably now having listened to this, people realise I, I don't do this for a living. Who'd pay for this? Um, but um, I, I mean, Eric, if people have been fascinated by the kind of things you've talked about, you know, is there a way that the people can get in touch with you? Can they haunt you online on Twitter or LinkedIn? or, or drop, you a, drop you an email somehow? What, what's a good way to get in contact with you?
1: Sure, I can be reached on the email, eric, eric, at tdsi.com or via LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash eric1, eric1. Either way, would get to me.
0: Okay, well, Eric, look, really appreciate your time. As I say, I think that's been a genuinely fascinating discussion and uh, I'm sure people listening to the show will have got as much from that as I have. So, um, look, really appreciate your time. Thanks for, thanks for coming on Tech Interviews and uh, look forward to speaking to you again in the near future. Thanks, Eric. Great, Paul. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that for show notes pop over to techstringy.com we'll also find all of our previous tech interviews episodes next time it's the second part of this series as we take a look at the world of microsoft azure we look at how to design solutions and migrate your key business platforms into microsoft's huge public cloud so to make sure you catch that show why not subscribe you can find us on apple podcasts on soundcloud and stitcher and hey if you enjoyed the show why not leave us a review it'll help other people to find tech interviews so until next time thanks for listening